and welcome back to the farm. I'm Karen Gould of Produce with a Purpose, and I'm here with our lovely producer, Bex Francis. We're really happy to have you back. Today we're gonna to talk a little bit about iron, um, but I gotta say, you know, there's not much going on in the garden right now. We're indoors for the most part because here in California, the smoke outdoors is just disgusting. So, um, you know, we've had all kinds of nasty fires. We even had a little bitty one across the street. Um, gotta say a shout out to the fabulous, fabulous Sacramento Metro Fire Department because they are incredibly fast and amazing. Um, but the air quality here has been so, so gross. And, um, you know, even the dogs only go out for five minutes at a time, poor little things. Anyway, so everybody's bored. What we're going to try to do here is just, um, it's just very dry here, as you can hear. It's, uh, we're going to not go out there because it's horrible and kind of toxic and gross. And uh, instead, we're going to take a moment while we're inside here to uh, take care of our health or take care of other people's health if we're doing that. Um, and at the same time, make something really, really delicious and comfort foodie so that overall we feel better. So stay indoors with us here in the kitchen. Anyway, a lot of folks, um, when you talk about plant-based food, they start asking you what's up with protein. So we've, we've done that program, but, um, another serious question is what about iron? Uh, so we're going to take a look at that. A lot of people facing cancer are also uh, concerned about anemia for very, from various different causes along their journey. Um, but we don't want to do something that tastes like twigs and dirt, right? I know we're trying to get something or, or some weird metallic taste for you. So uh, we're going to get something just plain delicious. Um, I want to say, and, and I sometimes say this, I want to underline it one more time. Every single dish doesn't have to be nutrient perfection, right? It doesn't have to add up to be every single nutrient that you need. We're going to do something really iron rich, um, but think about things in terms more of getting what you need over a week's time instead of trying to pile it all in one dish until it doesn't taste good anymore. I know some dietitians have um, trouble with uh, patient compliance. And part of the reason is sometimes it's just too overwhelming to try to stuff everything in one plate. So we're gonna try and give ourselves a little breaky break here, huh? Um, I want you to know that I read an awful lot and most of it was well over my head. I am not a doctor though I have a PhD. I'm not a medical doctor. So uh, yeah, I was maybe reading above my grade level a little bit, but I wanted to be able to break it down and make it intelligible for you and make it something you can work with and take care of your health with. So let's take a little look at our, at our information here. Just to review, what does iron actually do for us? Well, we know it helps us build the red blood cells, right? But it's not just that. It's in your hemoglobin. That's the stuff that's in your blood that transfers oxygen from the lungs into your tissues. And then there's myoglobin, which is in the muscle cells to collect and store and transport and release that oxygen that we need. 
And then there's 6% of body iron. That's a component of certain proteins essential for respiration and energy metabolism. It's a component of enzymes that are involved in the synthesis of collagen, which is connective tissuey stuff, and some neurotransmitters. Iron is also needed to keep your immune system functioning. So it's a pretty big role. It's got a lot of, lot of different things to do in our bodies. If you do not have enough, enough iron, what you get is anemia, right? And it can make you feel tired, short of breath, lightheaded even. Um, you can feel dizzy or faint and have headaches, fast heartbeat, um, and you can have very pale skin. It's that anemic look that, you know, it's, it's an adjective, I guess, now. But the essence of what it is is that not enough blood cells, red blood cells, means that oxygen isn't getting circulated around your body everywhere that it's needed. Kind of important. Anemia comes into the cancer picture uh, in uh, several different ways. Sometimes just because people aren't eating enough and they're having trouble uh, just getting enough food in. But also the cancer itself can cause inflammation that decreases red blood cell production. This is particularly, um, uh, the production question is, is particular to the blood cancers and the bone cancers, right? Chemo can be myelosuppressive, meaning that the chemo itself can slow down um, bone marrow production uh, of those new red blood cells. And then kidney disease as well, um, any kind of cancer that has to do with kidney, the kidneys produce a hormone that spurs the bone marrow to do its job promoting red blood cells. So it can, you know, kind of hit you from different, different angles here. On the other hand, you, it is possible you can get too much iron. Um, it increases the risk for liver disease, such as cirrhosis or liver cancers, heart attack or heart failure, diabetes, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, metabolic syndrome, hypothyroidism, hypogonadism, neurodegenerative diseases, epilepsy, and multiple sclerosis. <clears throat> now, you can get this in a couple of different ways. One is you, you've been taking too much, um, too much in terms of supplements and diet, but uh, in terms of the cancer panorama, you may get that from repeated transfusions, right, because you're getting new blood in and it's got a whole lot of... Um, strong blood cells in there and iron in there that you, um, you're not handling too well. And then there's something called hemochromatosis, which is a hereditary disease where you're really just not, um, you're not managing the iron. Um, you're not getting rid of the excess iron. So it just accumulates in your body. So too much from food and supplements, that way it can end up mixing, the iron can end up mixing with other body chemicals to increase oxidative damage. So you think about it, iron, rust, oxidation, ding, right? So it can increase oxidative damage and promote oncogene activation, meaning the genes that are gonna be cancerous, DNA strand breaks, lipid peroxidation, mutagenesis, and tumor suppressor inhibition. Okay, again, reading over my level, right? But lipid peroxidation is when 
um, certain fats interact with oxygen and go bad. That's the really baby gen the baby explanation for it. Mutagenesis is when uh, cells change into something that they shouldn't, and tumor suppressor inhibition. Yeah, that just means it's keeping those uh, immune system fighting guys that you need squashed down. Oxidation also creates free radicals. We know those guys are bad. That's what our antioxidants are for, right? Excess iron contributes to metastasis and suppresses your immune response. So that's not good at all, right? So there's three, actually. There's three kinds of uh, iron, but there's two that we eat. Uh, there's iron is just, you know, ore in the ground. That's not really part of lunch. Um, the other two kinds are heme and non-heme. The heme iron comes from animal sources, particularly red meat. The white meats have far, far less of it. Um, and the non-heme iron comes from plant sources. Heme iron is easier to absorb, but it's also found in foods that are associated with cancer. So, the red meat heme stuff is associated with esophageal, gastric, breast, endometrial, pancreas, and lung tumors, or pancreas cancers and lung tumors, and colorectal cancer, above all colorectal cancer. Um, so heme is also able to catalyze the formation of N-nitrosic compounds in the gastrointestinal tract. NOCs are known carcinogens that can determine DNA mutation. So, heme alters the normal intestinal bacterial flora especially. So that's a whole other thing. So in your digest digestive tract, this, this red heme stuff, um, there's red meat heme stuff, uh, is letting loose some compounds that are contributing to uh, the DNA in cells going bad, right? And then also it's messing with our uh, bacteria helpers in our digestive tract that should be on our side for a good immune system. So double whammy. Excess heme iron also seems to add to cancer risk via oxidative stress, of course, and oxidation of lipids, the oxidation of fats, right? Um, processed meats have particular risks on top of the regular because the processing involves sodium and nitrates and totally adds to the potential for carcinogens to, to end up in your system. So we don't want any of that, right? Let's stick to a whole lot of vegetable stuff. Um, and if you're going to be eating meats, definitely not so much of the red stuff. Well, we've been told let's not eat a lot of red meat because yada yada cancer. We never knew really what that connection was. Well, now we know. It's that heme iron stuff that's a big player. So here's what I found really confusing. Both states of iron deficiency and iron overload can result in really adverse effects on your optimal health, right? We're shooting for a lovely balance, getting the right amount for our weight and metabolism and age and gender and all those things. Both deficiency and overload, however, are being looked at as possible therapies to fight cancer. 
So I think this is the root of the word ironic. It was just really confusing, to be honest, right? It was just really like, what? You're doing what with iron now? So really I had to knuckle down and read a bit. Low iron treatment, and the whole point here is you're manipulating iron homeostasis because cancer cells in particular need more iron than regular cells, right? So the, the, the balance is more crucial for them than for the regular cells that we'd like to keep healthy. So chelating or removing iron from cancer stem cells responsible for relapse and spread may kill off those cancer cells. That would be good, huh? Cancer cells require more iron than healthy cells to make DNA, and that's that DNA that's going bad, right? And um, chelating iron may complement chemo and or immunotherapies. So interestingly, there are some plants that have um, iron chelating properties. EGCG extract from tea, milk thistle, curcumin, and other natural sources can chelate the iron, but are not intense enough for this job. And you just want to keep that in mind. If you're having low iron, maybe those are not the best herbs for you to take right now. Or if you're having any kind of treatment that involves iron, also talk to your doctor about that. And then they go the entire opposite way with high iron treatment. Ferroptosis, which is basically flooding the cancer cells with iron for programmed cell death. So not all your cells, the ones you wanna get rid of. Um, it has been reported to be able to inhibit some cancer types such as hepatocellular carcinoma, pancreatic carcinoma, breast cancer, and prostate cancer. It involves interfering with the lipids that drive your proliferation and migration of your cells there and protect cancer cells from your defenses. Wait, those nasty lipid cells are like battling my good guys? How rude. Let's get rid of that. Okay, so before we go on to talk about how you get it and how you make it more absorbable, we're gonna swap over here and start our cooking and we're gonna make something that's just easy and yummy and no trouble, right? Let me just get down to where we're at here. So we're gonna start out warming up our little pan here on medium. We're gonna give ourselves a very nice little swirl of olive oil and I hope you're cooking along here. And if you have any questions, let me know. I will try to be checking on that as we go. Um, so I've chopped up the leeks really nicely here. They're ready to go. When, you, um, when you're chopping a leek, the, um, the way to make the white part white is that farmers will build up the dirt around. That's why you find a whole lot of dirt down in between the rings. So what I do is I make a slit lengthwise and I flush all that out and then I do my chopping. And then I may even do like one last little rinse just to make sure there's no grit in there. Let me get that going. Let me turn this up a little bit more. And let's see, we're gonna saute this for a few minutes. Let me get my little wooden spoon here. Get that a going. 
And while we're doing that, I'm going to crush up some garlic. And like I say, we're going to take a couple of nice big fat cloves. Um, we crush the garlic because it lets the oxygen hit that organic sulfur, which is very, very good for us. It's not um, that maybe the thing that upsets some people's stomachs uh, when they're eating a whole lot of garlic, uh, if you crush it and let it sit for a little bit longer, it may not give you quite as much grief. So I'm just gonna use the flat part of my handle. Can't really see here. I'm gonna use the flat part of my handle and just lean on it till it squishes a bit. I'm gonna get that. It makes it easier to peel too. Comes out a lot quicker. And give it a little bit more of a squish. And one more. And you want to put the flat side of the the flat side of the garlic goes down so that it doesn't scoot away from you injuring the innocent passers-by. Okay, so. All right, so we've got some nice crushed garlic here. So the thing is when you're cutting garlic, actually the, the knife, if it's nice and sharp, could go sort of slicing in between a few cells which is very nice and tidy and everything, but it's not going to get that, that oxygenated effect. And the same thing is uh, uh, tricky with onions, right? There's that, that sulfur in them, and uh, that seems to be what bothers some people's stomachs. So in the case of onion, if you chop it, then salt it fairly heavily, you know, give it a good salting and let it sit for 20, 30 minutes and then rinse it off with a lot of cold water and strain it and then try it and see if it's taken a little bit of that um, sharp edge off and it's easier for you to digest. Because if you don't feel good, what's, you know, what's the point? What are the odds you're going to keep making this recipe even if it's good for you, right? I mean, that's no fun. If it doesn't make you happy, it doesn't make you feel good. This is just not going to be you know, your go-to recipe. And I'd like you to have a few that you feel very comfortable with and, uh, you know, that, that you could just do at the drop of the hat. All right, so while we're getting these guys going, I'm going to toss in a good bit of herbs because, boom, let's get a whole lot of flavor. So I'm going to toss this parsley in, nice fresh parsley. Here's the thing, if you're using dry herbs, uh, as compared to fresh herbs, you always would use twice as much fresh as dry or half as much dry as fresh um, because they get smaller when the water evaporates out of them. One of the reasons for putting a whole bunch of um, parsley in here is that it has a lot of vitamin C. And we'll talk about why that's important in a minute. We're also going to put in some, this is my dried herbs here. We've got a little bit of sage. We've got some rosemary over here. 
and we've got some lovely um, some lovely oregano right there. So we're going to toss all these in. And we're going to saute these babies so it's lovely and flavorful and fragrant. I mean, some of the therapy and making a nice, you know, herbalicious, fragrant kind of a, a dish is just that therapy. And you probably didn't notice, but I have a great big pot sitting on the oven right now. And... Um, most of the day because it really even felt smoky here in the house not smoky just dry not right you know just eh, in the morning bleh. so i put on a big pot of water and i threw in a bunch of herbs um some some rosemary and some sage and a little bit of lavender and just let that steam uh you know get into the air and potentially weigh down some of the little particles um you know, the, the, the water particles would attach to the uh, unwanted particles that are in my air here and weigh them down and get them away from my lungs. I don't know if scientifically this is really working, but the house smelled a bunch nicer. And it just seemed to work. You know, because we're all going to be talking like Marge Simpson at this rate with our scratchy throats and whatnot. All right, so these guys are going along. Right? So in our recipe, it calls here for um, kale. So if I was uh, able to use a, um, a substantial leaf, leafy green, something like collards or kale or something with some real body, this is where I would put it in. But when I went out to the garden, um, first of all, harlequin beetles ate everything that was kale or collards. It's all gross. I should never have left it this long into the season. Anyway, it's my own fault. And then I went over to see if I could get some um, sweet potato greens, and they were all covered in ash. So that's not what we're going to put in at the moment. We're going to um, we're going to be using these lovelies over here. And we have here spinach and beet greens and some dandelion greens over here. Dandelions are great. I'll give you a little tip with those guys is that the more rounded the leaves are as opposed to more lobed, they're younger and more tender and less bitter. So when you see them like really deeply lobed in the leaves, they're kind of in that second phase of growing. And it's a really good time to just give them to your local rabbits. Which I do actually. There's a lovely little rescue place around the corner. Um, okay, so next we're gonna add in these fabulous tomatoes. We got a whole lot of tomatoes here, looking gorgeous because it's summer and we can. And we're gonna keep those guys going. And more vitamin C and vitamin A going in there. And we're gonna let those all get together. So I mentioned in other classes, but the saute as the base of things, or in Spanish, the sofrito. Look at that beautiful color. Look, yum. Um, your basic sofrito, the purpose of it is to get the flavors into the oil because oil distributes uh, 
flavors throughout the dish much, much more effectively than water does because the flavors in plants are attached to things called volatile oils. And oil breaks down oil and distributes it. Oil does, is not impressed by water. So it would just float on top, basically. So anyway, so we've got all these flavors mixing in with that olive oil that went in at the beginning. And we're getting all those flavors together. Going really nicely. Gonna give that a minute there. And then our next bit is going to be, um, I should back up for a second. If you don't have fresh tomatoes and it's not that season, because you could certainly do this in winter with canned tomatoes, um, I recommend that you get crushed tomatoes in a glass jar because uh, steel and tomatoes, the acid, it's a little funny thing, not, not really great for you. Um, more so if it's got melamine lining or anything like that in a can. So glass is ideally the best. Uh, it doesn't change the flavor or anything else in there. Another thing is um, if you have summer tomatoes, ideally you want to use the paste types, the Romas and San Marzanos or the, the big um, Italian red pears. Those are great. If you notice that your tomatoes have some um, terribly thick skin, and then I guess you would want to blanch and peel them, but if they're lovely tender summer skin, don't even bother, it'll be fine. Everything will just stay chunky and hair will be great. Take the shortcut where you can get it, that's what I say, right? Okay, so we're gonna do this. And, did we do this? Oh no. Here's our next ingredient that needs to go in and get some flavor too. These are the black eyed peas, not the band, the vegetable. Right, put these guys in here. Now I've soaked them overnight. And it's important that they're soaked for a good long time so that the nutrients are going to be very nice and available. Gonna get these in here. Look at all this. So much goodness. Okay, now we are going to put in our low sodium vegetable broth. You really don't need a lot of Sodium added in here. Okay. And we're going to bring that up to boil. We're going to give it a little bit of salt. Our own measure, not, you know, the 800 grams that a, that a bouillon or a, a, a broth that's not low sodium. Try to look for a nice word for it. Um, and in the end, we're going to put in our uh, we're going to put in our pasta and our greens once this is going for a little bit because the beans take a little while. I'm going to put a lid on here and get that rolling, but then I'm going to see stuff happens. So let me just say if you've never tipped anything over, never burnt anything, etc., in the kitchen. You're just not trying hard enough. You need to spend a little more time cooking, huh? Because it happens. Things are not perfect. We're not perfectly organized. You don't have to be. Don't stress yourself out. Even if something tips over, it's not the end of the world. Even if something burns, it's not the end of the world. You forgot the ingredient. You know what? There are some mornings I get up, and I'm going to make my coffee, and I'm reaching into the spice 
shelf. And I know that one of these days I'm going to reach for cumin instead of cinnamon. It'll happen just because of the number of times that I'm reaching in there when I'm fuzzy. It'll happen eventually. Not even going to feel bad about it. Not a thing. So mistakes will be made and we'll all be fine. So we're going to let this start boiling for a little bit. And we're going to go on with our other discussion in a second. Let me just, um, let me just, before we do that, I am going to chiffonade my greens just a little bit here. And I know we're a bit out of sight. Well, no, you can see. All right. So when you can, when you have large greens, and this is more so for um, collards and chard and kale, you want to roll everything up like a big cigar, right? And then we're going to chiffonade in nice little ribbons. And this is especially good if you're going to do a spinach salad. I really recommend getting the big leaves and cutting them in fine little ribbons because when I started doing that with my spinach salad, people said, oh, I used to hate spinach salads. Is it because the little stems poke you in the back of the throat? Oh yeah, that's why. So never mind those silly little baby things. We're gonna actually do um, just nice little ribbons of greens and then they're just gonna go in beautifully. We're just gonna cut these nice little strips. But I tell you, really that makes all the difference for a spinach salad. Now I know spinach is on the list of things that you can eat to get a good amount of iron, but I would also say you should be a little bit careful with eating it raw because it has something called oxalic acid. And oxalic acid, um, among other issues, contributes to kidney stones. So we don't want to mess with our kidneys when we are in need of their services. Hmm? Okay, so we have this lovely chiffonaded stuff. It's ready to go in. The pasta will be ready to go in in just a little bit. And we're gonna let this keep going. Right, look at that, how pretty. We're gonna get it to boil here. And we're gonna let that be for a minute while we keep talking. Does anybody have any questions while we're um, while we're taking a little pause here, how's yours coming? Anybody having a, need a substitution, need a pointer? Are you all doing fine? Are you getting hungry? All right, well, we'll just wait and, um, I mean, not wait. You know, when you have something you would like to ask, feel free, don't be shy. Love to hear from you. Okay, so we're going to go back and look at um, our sources. So there are some sources that we're pretty familiar with and some we hadn't thought of quite so much as great sources of iron. Um, blackstrap molasses. That's the stuff they take out of white sugar. So that's crazy. Um, but... If you cook with that at all, it's very delicious. You can put it a little bit in your chili. You can put it in your baking. It goes in a whole bunch of things. It's very delicious. 
uh, prune juice, um, perhaps less delicious, but still easy enough to take in. Dark chocolate has a little bit of iron. Don't go nuts if it's really sugary, but um, but you can feel a little, you know, less guilty. Uh, fortified nutritional yeast can add 20%. I mean, with just a couple of tablespoons, 20% uh, of what you need per day. And it comes along with some B vitamins, which is a very, very good thing, particularly for folks eating mainly plant-based. Here's a strange one, those moral mushrooms, those weird spongy looking kind of um, tall guys. Uh, they're rather expensive. Uh, if you know how to grow mushrooms yourself, they're lovely, but those have in a serving 69% of your daily value. That's crazy, right? Your legumes, like these babies, like our black eyed peas going in here, are terrifically good for you. Lentils, soybeans, tofu, tempeh, lima beans, all of them have a lovely amount of iron in them. Your whole grains, are also very good. Um, quinoa, fortified cereals, brown rice, and oatmeal have some iron. Nuts and seeds do very well. Pumpkin seeds, um, squash seeds, pine nuts, pistachios, sunflower, cashews, unhulled sesames. Add them in wherever you can, in a salad or on your noodles or whatever. Um, among the dried fruits, apricots, that was my dad's favorite. And I have a great tree for it. It's my earliest one and it comes out and they're just the right size and they're a little more tart than the other ones. It's really perfect for drying. Um, prunes are very good and figs, lovely. Um, and among the vegetables, of course, your tomato sauce. Your tomato sauce can have some iron. We'll talk in a minute about how it's um, helpful for absorbing iron as well. Swiss chard is great, collard greens, all of the leafy greens are very, very helpful in getting the amount of iron that you need. And again, like I say, think about it over a week's time, not, you know, all in one meal. Drive yourself nuts. The very best leafy greens. Spinach is way up there, but it's hard to absorb, which is why it's really good in something with tomatoes. Um, Swiss chard, 22% of your daily value. Turnip greens are wonderful. Beet greens, that's another one we're putting in here. Um, your curly kale gives you a 14% and raw kale, and we we're talking about the other ones being cooked, of course. Raw kale will give you 6%. It's up to you, I'm not a fan. I will cook it. I'll, to me, something with beans, a tomato base, and a lot of leafy greens in it just is couldn't be better as far as I'm concerned. So some less common ones, we have the dandelions that I was just showing you. Those can give you the 9% and they at the same time help your kidneys. They're good for your entire urinary tract all the way down. Spirulina, which is a, a kind of algae, gives us an 11%. A third of a cup of dulse or kelp gives you up to 30%. Keep in mind those are terribly salty though. I mean, not added salt, sea salt, but you know, just balance it out. And then there's Moringa, which you can get in a, a powdered form. Uh, it has an excellent amount of iron and you should make it more bioavailable 
by having it at the same time as citrus juice. I don't mean you have to mix it into a glass of citrus juice. You could put a tablespoon into your scrambled eggs or what you know, or your tofu scramble or anything like that and have a glass of orange juice on the side. You don't have to pour them together. Again, if it doesn't taste good, you won't do it more than once. Okay, how do we enhance absorption? So, since we know that the plant-based iron is a little trickier to absorb than the meat-based, I mean, if you think about it, you know, an animal's body is very much like ours, so it's, you know, very similar, um, and it's going to get processed very much like what we already have in our bodies, right? And there have to be a few more adjustments along the way before the plant-based iron looks more like what we use in our bodies, right? So how do we get this optimally? Smaller meals. Weirdly enough, in a smaller meal, the amount of iron that you get is better absorbed. Um, if you eat non-heme iron with vitamin C foods, so whether that's tomato, parsley, potatoes, um, you know, citrus juice, any of those things, absorption can increase as much as five times. And vitamin A also helps, which is why I threw in the peppers. You want to avoid tea that has, you know, the black tea that has tannins, herbal teas, don't, don't count at all here. Um, you want to avoid tea while eating. Um, if your meal is supposed to get you some iron, uh, because those tannins may block non-heme iron. There's a weird, a lot, weird, strange amount of things that just block iron for just no apparent sensible reason. But anyway, if we know we could have our tea an hour later, we'll be fine, right? Cooking in cast iron skillets, of course, can help increase the iron absorption of the iron plant foods that we're trying to eat. You may want to, as I said, avoid that raw spinach as an iron source because the oxalic acid, aside from messing a little bit with your kidneys, um, can block absorption of the iron that you're trying to get. Hmm. Coffee with a meal is not as bad as tea, but it does reduce the absorption of the iron you're looking for by about 39%. Just wait an hour. Wait an hour, it'll be okay. Just, you know, don't do the this, okay? Um, let me get this going. Let's give this a little stir. It's kind of looking pretty over here, huh? Want to get everything cooking down. I'm sure this would go faster on a real stove, but should be boiling soon. Okay. Calcium, so a glass of milk or um, anything really, really rich in calcium can also hinder iron absorption. And then soaking phytate-rich foods, that's the beans, um, or bran or any of the legumes, um, may keep the phytates from interfering with absorption. So it's really weird that a lot of these things seem to be like fighting you. Like, here's the iron. Nope, you can't have it. I don't know. But just soak your beans overnight. Give them a good, serious soak so that they're good and soft when they go in to get cooked. 
Alrighty, we are waiting for this to keep going. Um, come on, you. But it is looking very nice. Looking for that rolling boil. It's almost there. So, um, just want to check in. Does anybody have any questions? And hopefully your, um, hopefully your cooking is coming along while we're doing this. Anybody having any problems? Anybody got any questions about iron that I could answer? I just thought it was a very strange relationship to cancer. So I really wanted to look at this. And then, you know, also because it is a, you know, something that folks eating plant-based should be uh, taking a little care to pay attention to. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Don't obsess. You know, and like I say, don't try to make some magic formula dish that has every nutrient you ever needed stuffed in there because I guarantee it will not taste good. You'll do it one time and say, all right, that's it. Never eating healthy food again, right? So, um, all righty. I just want to get this. We have a lovely boil now, which is when we want to put in our, our pasta. Get that going. I'm going to zoom this along a little bit, but um, your beans may take a little bit longer than what we have time for here today. You want to just keep, keep checking them on the tenderness. And uh, at this point, we want to take the top off and let things steam away and bring down that water a little bit because what we want is for the pasta to start absorbing everything, right? So all this that's soupy now, we want to turn into basically a sauce, yeah? Can you smell it? Here, I'm gonna waft the, I'm gonna waft the steam at you. Alrighty. And as soon as that's going for a couple of minutes, I'm gonna to toss in the greens. Come on, baby. Okay. So while we're waiting for this to keep going, I am going to, all right, we're gonna put this, let that just work its way in. All that beautiful greenness in there with a load of iron. Again, one of the nice things about having a very wide, large, hefty uh, chopping knife is that you can use it to scoop things and carry them over to your pot without dropping them. Um, I recommend a Santoku knife for your chopping. Um, we've talked about this before, but the Santoku knife has the a little bit of a curve here and has these little divots here that are going to keep things from everything from sticking to your blade. You want that uh, curved edge there so it rolls a little bit for you. You can make that curved chopping motion. And the other thing you're looking for in a knife, aside from the fact that you want this to stay sharp, is you can see here the metal is all one piece and it goes all the way to the back and then the handle part is riveted on 
instead of being a little bit of metal stuck only partway into you know a cheap plastic handle this is more balanced and it'll last a whole lot longer all right our pasta is going our greens are going it's a big hearty stewy fragrant herby not too garlicky just enough kind of a pot all right how about all that yummy color right mm, vitamins iron the whole business so very good for us so just gonna let that roll for a little bit um, if you would like more information about produce with a purpose I want to send you to producewithapurpose.net and there you can find out background about the farm here and what we're doing and our background story, um, you know, how to contact us, how to support us, um, all kinds of things that are going on and all the different places where you can access our cook-alongs because we are also on YouTube, uh, Produce with a Purpose Online, you can find us right there. We are on um, Podbean, but you can also find us on Spotify and several other podcast broadcasters. Anyway, we're out there. Um, and where else? Instagram, you can see all the photos of the farm. That's always good too. Twitter, we're on Twitter. We're everywhere. We're just everywhere like weeds, right? Um, but if you're looking for the recipes in general, you can find this right from our main page but you can also go to producewithapurpose.thinkific.com. And that's where we have our entire resource pantry. We have um, not just the recipes, but we have several of the lessons. We have articles, we have quotes, we have all kinds of things. Art, um, recommendations and some quick skill reviews, all kinds of stuff. It's like it's just like opening up a big virtual pantry where you can find all this stuff you need. Um, and you're just welcome to browse through it at your leisure. You don't have to take it in any order. It's just there like a little library for you. Um, so get to know us. If you'd like to support us, that's that would be lovely too. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, so that you are notified every time we do a class, but also get uh, some news regarding nutrition and cancer, uh, some notes from the farm. Uh, there's always a calendar there uh, about what's in season. Uh, let's see what else is on there. And just some recommendations, cookbooks and things like that, all in a very, very short little bi-weekly message. In a blink, you're through it. Um, but you can sign up there from our main page. So I just want to go over here and show you what this is looking like now. Right, it's coming down to be this big, stewy, salsa, saucy, not salsa, saucy bunch of pasta and veggies here, right? And then when it's ready, this isn't quite ready, but just to give you the idea, let me this. 
two seconds here. All right. So when it's all ready, all you do is you're going to serve it up, make it look beautiful. All right. I mean, nothing's actually cooked here, but just to give you a serving idea. And then you're going to top it off with some lovely vegan Parmesan. And voila, comfort food that is super good for you and has the iron you need in flavors that you actually want to eat. So that's why we do our stupid, easy, madly tasty, secretly healthy recipes, because I can tell you all the science and whatnot, but you know, if it doesn't taste good, I know you're not gonna, I wouldn't do it. You know, like, I, eh, I'll get around to it, right? I mean, we have to be realistic about how far um, willpower is gonna, knowledge is important. You know, it gives us options and things like that, but please make it taste good, right? I don't think I have anything that tastes like twigs and dirt. That's not going to work for us, right? Okay. So unless anybody has any questions, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Um, keep in touch with us on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. And we will see you in October. We'll have some very good fall recipes for you. And then, shoot, eventually we're going to be into the holidays. We'll get into sweets and all kinds of goodies. Um, yeah. In the meantime, take very good care of yourselves. Deal with the stuff the, as best you can, but take some time to take care of yourself, and hopefully we will see you back here in October. Stay well. Bye.